Hello and welcome to this week's recording of the local news brought to you by the Equipment Services for the Blind and the Worcester News. Our service is free, but if you would like to make a donation towards the running costs or if you have any comments about our service, please leave a note in your wallet or ring us here at Colin Chance House. There isn't always anyone in the office, but please leave a message and someone will return your call as soon as they can. I am Ian and Rianne and Hannah are reading with me. Nigel is our sound engineer and thank to, thanks to Carol's team for admin and copying. We'll be featuring the news from Friday, September the 29th until Thursday, October the 5th. We'll include the headline stories and then a variety of news items from the local area, finishing with some sporting items. The obituaries will follow the closing music for those who wish to hear them. And for your information, today the sunrise is at 7.05am and sunset is 6.45pm. I'm now going to pass over to Hannah, who is going to uh, give some useful telephone numbers, the thought for the week and the two birthdays. Rianne will then continue with the what's on. The useful telephone numbers are here in Colin Chance House, 01905 767766. The police non-emergency number is 101. The Worcester Hub is on 01905 765765. The Malvern Theatre is 01684-892277. The non-emergency medical helpline is 111. The Worcester Wheels for Transport is on 01905-450654. The Samaritans are on 116123. And the Worcester Theatre box office is on 01905 The thought for the week is from Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord is the rock eternal. And a very happy birthday to Alan Steadman, whose birthday it is this week on the tw- uh, 12th, and Connie Blower on the 15th. Very happy birthday from all of us. And now for a bit of what's on in the local area. Um, Malvern Theatres are showing The Merchant of Venice from the 17th to the 21st of October at the Festival Theatre. It's on at 7.30 in the evening and there are matinees on the Wednesday and the Saturday at 2.30. The Wednesday matinee performance will be audio described and we will be preceded by a touch tour. And to book this, you can contact Bridget Lloyd Bridget at malvern-theatres.co.uk And the other interesting 
thing about this production of The Merchant of Venice is that it's direct from the RSC and it stars Tracy Ann Oberman, who's been in EastEnders, Doctor Who, and she's playing the first female Shylock. Um, and it's set in 1930s Britain. So that sounds like an interesting production. Um, over in Worcester, um, on the weekend of Saturday the 14th of October and Sunday the 15th, there's quite a lot of interesting music going on at Huntington Hall. There's a David Bowie tribute band on the Saturday night at 7.30 at Huntington Hall called Bowie-esque. Um, they're one of the UK's leading David Bowie tribute acts. They're a highly professional outfit with decades of experience between them. Um, the tickets are £19 and that's on Saturday the 14th of October. On the Sunday evening, the 15th of October, um, Huntington Hall have got Lindisfarne's um, doing a show. They're the legendary 70s folk rock pioneers and they're presenting a classic five-piece lineup of long-time members fronted by founder member Rod Clements. And for their 2023 tour, Lindisfarne recall a memorable period of live shows focused on the release of Magic in the Air and unforgettable songs like Meet Me on the Corner, Fog on the Tyne, Lady Eleanor and Run for Home. And that's Lindisfarne at Huntingdon Hall on Sunday the 15th of October. And then over at the Swan Theatre that week, the 17th to the 21st of October, Wads are presenting The Wedding Singer. That's um, a musical comedy with rock star wannabe Robbie Hart as New Jersey's favourite wedding singer. He's the soul of the party until his fiancée leaves him at the altar. Heartbroken, Robbie sets out to make every wedding as disastrous as his, but he doesn't expect to fall in love with the lovely Julia. Based on the 1998 film and the stage adaptation, Wads can't wait to bring another fantastic musical to life. And for those who are interested in the outdoors, there's the cold water swim is back. Bathing suits and woolly hats at the ready as an outdoor pool opens its cold water swimming sessions. Cold water swimming at the Droitwich Spa Lido is back from Friday, October the 6th. A spokesperson for Droitwich Spa Leisure Centre said, gather your swimming gear and join us as we embrace the chill of the water. There's something special about the refreshing touch of cold water and we're excited to share this invigorating experience with all of you. Whether you're a seasoned cold water swimmer or a curious newcomer, everyone is welcome. Prepare to feel alive, refreshed and energised. Thank you, Rianne. <clears throat> I'm sure we feel alive, refreshed and energised already. Uh, we're now going to move on to the headline stories for the past week. Uh, starting with Friday, September the 29th. Men admit £40,000 jewellery raid. Two burglars have admitted a £40,000 jewellery burglary at an auction house and now face immediate jail sentences. City men Nicholas Dutfield, 52, of Happy Land West, Worcester, and Alan Dale, 51, of Belmont Street, Worcester, admitted the burglary at Meerbrook Industrial Estate in Welland when they appeared at Worcester Crown Court on Thursday. Members of the Neighbourhood Crime Fighting Team, 
recently established to tackle the crimes that matter most to the community, carried out the arrests. Access to the property was gained by forced entry into a back window before the items were taken from a cabinet in the auction house. Items reported missing include watches, pocket watches, rings, bracelets, medals and coins. West Mercia Police last month launched the first of its new neighbourhood crime fighting teams, NCFTs, with dedicated officers on the ground to tackle the crimes that are a priority to the public. Funded by Police and Crime Commissioner John Campion, delivering on calls for officers to be more visible and accessible in communities, the teams are fast-responding, high-visibility units who aim to tackle the offences with the highest cause of harm to the public, deploying a rapid, serious crime response. Both men are due to be sentenced in November. We reported in November 2021 how career burglar Dutfield stole a Worcester Hospital porter's bike, attempted to raid a city nursery and was so desperate to escape police he jumped out of a window in the city's All Saints Road. Dutfield, who has what the judge called an appalling record, even tried to break into a Worcester nursery but was thwarted by security features and ultimately detained thanks to an observant off-duty officer who saw him stealing a sandwich at Aldi. He admitted burglaries at two Worcester gyms, stealing a push bike from a locked shed at Worcestershire Royal Hospital in Worcester and even stealing items from a city Aldi store before he was caught and arrested on October the 11th, 2021. This resulted in Dutfield being jailed for 23 months at Worcester Crown Court. Dutfield also raided Freedom Church in Lowesmore, Worcester on November the 23rd, 2019, when he used a tool to break in through the fire doors. We reported in 2019 how drug addict Alan Dale had carried out more than 40 burglaries, including in Worcester and Evesham, during a criminal career which began in 1987. He had then spent twice as long in prison as he has on the outside, as concerns were raised by a Worcester judge that he had become institutionalised because of his long incarceration. And I'm afraid on Saturday and Sunday, the 30th and of September and 1st of October, it's another burglary, suspects caught in act by Bishop. Video footage shows a pair of hoodie-wearing suspects trying car door handles in Warnden villages, Worcester. The incident was captured on a camera at around 3am on Wednesday, September the 27th. The video shows the suspects try car doors in Damask Field and police are investigating. Two men with hoods pulled over their heads can be seen walking on either side of a row of cars trying car door handles. They can be seen trying the ploy on three different cars. Bishop Anthony Shaw shared the footage first on the Warnden Villages Community Group, a Facebook group with more than 4,000 members. He has reported the matter to West Mercia Police via email. 
The webcam footage is recorded and saves the footage when the camera detects movement. Commenting on the footage, one member said, this really has to be stopped. Others said they had been victims of similar incidents in Warnden villages. One member said nothing's safe anymore. A spokesperson for Warnden Safer Neighbourhood team said, we understand the concerns raised with regard this incident and would welcome the opportunity to review doorbell camera or CCTV footage residents may have from around that time. If anyone sees anything suspicious, they should call 101 or 999 in an emergency. You could also report it on our website at Reporter Crime, West Mercia Police. We have previously reported how officers have made a string of arrests after burglaries, some of which have also been linked to vehicle crime. The burglaries have been centred around Droitwich and Fernal Heath and has included a number of car key burglaries. Four arrests have been made, all involving teenagers. Investigations are being conducted by proactive CID based at Worcester Police Station. Two different groups of suspects have been identified and a number of arrests made. A 15-year-old from Droitwich has been arrested in connection with three car key burglaries in Droitwich and a further car key burglary in Kempsey. All stolen vehicles have been recovered and the youth has been bailed. An 18-year-old from Droitwich has also been arrested in connection with one of the car key burglaries in the town. He has also been bailed. Searches conducted in relation to these burglaries have recovered stolen items that will be reunited with their owners. Arrests have also been made in connection with a reported car key burglary in Suffolk Close, Fernal Heath, and other attempted burglaries in the area. An 18-year-old and a 15-year-old from Worcester have been arrested and are on bail. Another 15-year-old from Worcester is in custody awaiting interview. On Monday, October the 2nd, the headline story highlights dismay over four £60 fines. Two friends were staggered to receive four ridiculous £60 fines between them after visiting Blackpool McDonald's twice in one night. Nick Ryland and his friend Alex Vaughan went to Blackpool Retail Park to buy and eat food from McDonald's and returned again in the early hours of the following day to buy a drink. However, they did not realise the two visits at 10.51pm and 12.01am in two separate cars meant they both fell foul of new restrictions put in place. People can only access the retail park for 30 minutes between 9pm and 6am in an attempt to curb antisocial behaviour. Mr Ryland said the pair had to wait at least 20 minutes to receive both orders spending 51 minutes at the retail park in the first instance on Saturday, September the 16th, and 31 minutes in the second. If the £60 fines are not paid in time, they can increase to £100. The 39-year-old said, It makes me wonder how many innocent people have got fined. I'm disappointed that someone has the God-given right to fine us nearly £200 each to have food. 
the meal cost no more than £20. If we were there acting up, then fair enough, we deserve the fine. Earlier this week, eight parking fines were dished out to members of a car meat group, despite them also eating at McDonald's in Blackpool Retail Park. Mr Vaughan added, It is a bad advertisement for Worcester. I am from Redditch, and if we have people visiting, then they would not know anything about it. You can spend 20 minutes just going through the drive through I travel a lot with work, and every McDonald's I go to does not have parking restrictions, or at least have a maximum two-hour stay. The fact it is just 30 minutes is ridiculous. A spokesperson from Legal and General Investment Management said restrictions were placed at the car park due to complaints from people living nearby. They said fines are received for staying in the car park for more than 30-minute grace period between the hours of 9pm to 6am. These restrictions were implemented following complaints from local residents about noise and disruption during these hours. McDonald's said UKPC operates the car park and they deal with the fines. Worcester News has contacted UK Parking Control Limited, UKPC, and are awaiting a response. Thank you. The news uh, headline story from Tuesday, October the 3rd. Two arrests after armed police siege. Armed police stunned suspects with flash grenades which burnt big scorch marks into a wall before officers stormed a suburban house. The manager of the short-let house in Hock Coppice, Warndon Villages, was not present when firearms officers with guns, shields and night vision goggles stormed the property in the early hours of Sunday, which resulted in two arrests. At the time, she said the two-bedroom, semi-detached house was occupied by two short-term tenants. I'm horrified about the whole thing. It's a nightmare. It is so distressing, said the manager, who wished only to be known by her first name, Jill. Police smashed their way through the £1,800 door using a chainsaw and a metal battering ram before throwing flashbangs also known as stun grenades or flash grenades, into a back bedroom. One flash grenade was thrown up the stairs into the bedroom, leaving scorch marks on the wall. A witness said a woman was hanging out of a window when a second flashbang flew in over her head and exploded in the same bedroom. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said officers attended an address in Hock Coppice around 6.30pm on Saturday, September the 30th, following a report of a wanted person being present in the property. They added, specially trained firearms officers attended with specialist munitions were used in order to distract the suspects. A 40-year-old woman was arrested on suspicion of obstructing a police officer. Bryn Jones, aged 39, of Rounds Road in Worcester, has been charged with assault and possession of a knife. He has been remanded to appear at Kidderminster Magistrates Court today. Eyewitnesses said a standoff lasted five hours and that few slept because of shouts, loud bangs and barking dogs, with a police negotiator involved at one stage. 
One resident described 11 or 12 firearms officers with balaclavas, helmets, guns and shields testing their tasers before surrounding the property. It was quite frightening, but I understand the police have a job to do. All the neighbours were looking out, a bit mesmerised. I heard a police negotiator shouting. They wanted to get a woman out safely. At one stage she heard what she described as six to seven loud bangs. Twenty seconds later they would marched him down here. It all ended about 3.30am, she said. Another witness, a pregnant mum, said she heard the flashbangs exploding before the firearms in the house went off. Jill, the property's manager, said a neighbour also reported a man and a woman returning to the property and breaking a window with a hammer and taking clothes. On Monday, a friend of the manager was sweeping up broken glass from the hallway while the broken remains of the door smashed by the police were loaded into the manager's car, ready to be taken to the tip. And on Wednesday, October the 4th, the headline was Heartless Vandals Target Disabled Charity Minibuses. Vulnerable disabled people have been left heartbroken and devastated after vandals thrashed two minibuses during a planned attack. Horrified staff discovered two specially adapted minibuses used by the Myriad Centre had their windows smashed and tyres slashed. Chief Executive Richard Whiteley described the orchestrated attack outside Green Hill Lodge in Merriman's Hill Road as horrendous, leaving both vehicles inoperable. An emergency just-giving appeal has now been launched to raise money to offset the damage, which could cost the charity £40,000 in potential lost income as it's funded to provide the service by Worcestershire County Council. Both minibuses had been parked behind locked gates and the attack took place at some point over the weekend. The charity moved out of St George's Walk in Worcester on Friday for 18 months into the temporary new home while the old base is refurbished. The charity's livery and logo are displayed clearly on the minibuses. If they cannot get the service up and running again by next week, the charity stands to lose £40,000 in potential income, charity bosses estimate. Mr Waitley said, They have completely trashed two of our vehicles, the vehicles we pick up our clients in every day. They slashed all the tyres and smashed all the windows. The third one was in the repair shop, or they would have done that, uh, that one as well. Because of this, we had to let families down today. This was planned. This was a sustained attack. It would have been 20 minutes to half an hour setting about these vehicles. This is dreadful. These people are dreadful people. One minibus had every single window and the windscreen smashed and all four tyres slashed with an estimated repair bill running into thousands of pounds. The other had the windscreen smashed and three tyres slashed with a bill running into the hundreds of pounds. 
The Myriad Centre provides essential respite care for young adults living with profound and multiple learning disabilities. The staff provide desperately needed specialist respite care. The former transit vans have been specially adapted to fit six wheelchairs inside at a time. Mr Waitley said the culprits also try to break into the temporary base as well. The service users are devastated. It's a lifeline for them. I'm incredibly disappointed and disillusioned in my fellow human beings. There had been no vehicles parked here for two and a half years as the council had mothballed the building, he said. He explained that the Myriad Centre provided a rest for families caring for those who have disabilities, but was also a happy place for service users themselves. Not everyone will be able to bring services users to the Myriad Centre, which is expected to run at around half its usual capacity. Those with information about the attack can contact the force on 101, quoting incidents reference 00057 slash 1 slash 021020023. We have approached West Mercia Police for a comment. Thursday, October the 5th, the headlines were We feel like we're being persecuted. A mother says parents of disabled children at a city school are in uproar about being persecuted by traffic wardens and the police. Donna Adkins said wardens have been issuing tickets outside Fort Royal Community Primary School every day this term. But she says parents and carers on the school run don't have anywhere else to park and some of the children have mobility issues. This morning, the police appeared too and were ticketing everyone even if they just looked like they were pulling up, she said. But a lot of the children can't walk very far and they don't see danger at all, so we need to park near the school. The mum, whose son, Hunter, goes to Fort Royal, said she understands there are traffic issues on Wilds Lane and Midland Road. But, she says, parents on the school run do not have much choice. Parking at the school is non-existent and there are time slots for buses and taxis, so parents just have to park on the road as close as we can, she said. This does mean that parents have to park on double yellow lines sometimes. We recently applied for a blue badge for Hunter and we were successful, but we're still waiting for that to come through. There was uproar this morning. We feel we were, are being discriminated against. It feels like they are persecuting us because they know we're easy targets. I contacted the school and they were totally unaware of it. The head teacher came out and he was quite upset about it. A spokesperson for Worcester City Council said, Since the start of the new school term, our civil enforcement officers have been visiting a number of areas where complaints about school-related parking have been received. Worcester City Council acts as enforcement agency on behalf of Worcestershire County Council, who are responsible for the implementation of parking orders covering parking restrictions, such as double yellow lines. Anybody who wishes to appeal against a parking notice should go to www.worcester.gov.uk slash parking slash pay dash penalty dash charge notice. 
West Mercia Police and Fort Royal Community Primary School were unavailable for comment. Uh, we're now going to continue with uh, items of general news interest and at the end of this section we will um, include three sport articles. Worcester Samaritans will be celebrating the 60th anniversary of the branch opening this week and they are on the lookout for volunteers. The organisation, now based in Sansom Place, Worcester, opened its doors at 34 The Tithing on October the 3rd, 1963, with the Bishop of Worcester. It was based there for 10 years and the branch was presented with the one millionth telephone to be installed in the then PO Midland region. That number remains in use today. Having focused on recruitment over the previous six months, the branch now had sufficient volunteers to become part of the 24-hour telephone service which still exists today, 70 years after Chad Vara set up the very first branch of Samaritans in October 1953. Today, the branch has 100 volunteers from its fourth home. Most provide emotional support by answering the phone to those struggling in these difficult times. The 24-hour number is 116123. There are also a group of non-listening Samaritans who provide additional support in the areas of IT, finance and helping to keep the 17th century listed building in good order. A spokesperson said, over the years we've had 1,084 volunteers answering the telephone. We have always raised funds to keep the branch open. We remain reliant on the generosity of others. One of our current Samaritans is hoping to complete the Three Peaks Challenge in a few weeks, raising money for the branch through sponsorship. If you are interested in volunteering, whether as a listening Samaritan, using those well-known words, Samaritans, can I help you, as you answer the phone, or as a support Samaritan, helping to keep the branch operational, please get in touch by emailing worcester.director at samaritans.org. Customers were sad to see a beloved city cafe and event space close its doors for the final time. The Pump House Environment Centre, located in Gellervelt Park, closed permanently to the public on Saturday so that the building can be cleared before the end of the year. The Trust will return the building to its landlord, Worcester City Council, which said it had no current plans for the building and would be exploring its options. The Duckworth Worcestershire Trust was established 25 years ago by Cecil Duckworth, who died in 2020, and has been based in Pump House Environment Centre since 2001. But despite running a popular cafe at the pump house, the trust has been unable to cover the costs of being in the building. Helen Newbury was enjoying a drink with Nicola Irving at the cafe at, uh, on Saturday and both were sad to see it close. She said, 
I've been a regular here for years and I've deliberately come today to say goodbye to the staff and the building. The staff are marvellous and we enjoy coming here so much. I'm just heartbroken it has closed. I think it's crazy. I just hope that somebody takes it on. With the new bridge project ongoing, there will be so many people passing by and this space will be even more needed. Sally White recalled lots of happy memories spent at the Pump House Environment Centre. She said, I've been here loads of times over the years with friends and family. A friend of mine had her child's birthday party upstairs once. There have been lots of fun family days here with my niece as well, so it's really a shame and I'm hoping that something will happen here in the future. Hannah Barclay said, I did not know it was the last day. Speaking to some of the ladies inside, I'm really surprised a petition has not been made to try and save it. It really is sad that they're not able to stay open. Kirsty Gilmore said, I've been coming here for years with my kids to get a coffee and a cake on a walk, so it's really disappointing news. The Duckworth Worcestershire Trust was also forced to close Worcestershire Resource Exchange last year because of cost pressures. A volunteer driver for Worcester Food Bank says more people in work are becoming dependent on emergency food due to their low income not covering the inflated cost of essentials. Jill Desaria has decided to share her experiences of working on the food bank frontline in Worcester after growing increasingly concerned at the impact food poverty is having on people's lives. Her concerns come against the backdrop of a huge rise in referrals to the charity as households struggle to afford the cost of food, utilities and rent. Referrals rose by more than 60% in July alone compared to the same month last year and the charity is feeding on average around 1,400 people a month. Jill has been delivering food parcels to clients' homes in the city and surrounding villages for the past two years alongside her husband Sunil. She said there was still some misunderstanding about why people turned to Food Bank for help and the extent of the crises these households faced. Many people food bank is now supporting are in work but on very low incomes and this combined with increased energy and housing bills has deepened the crisis jill said one person told me they were working 16 hours a week and their wages were supplemented by government tax credits but they were really struggling with debt they expected to be better off once they were in work but they are not Every month their income is swallowed up without reducing what they owe and they now can't afford their gas and electricity bills, meaning they have to rely on the support of Food Bank. This is not uncommon. Jill added that many of the people she had delivered food to were experiencing a broad range of physical and mental health issues. These clients included victims of domestic abuse and former servicemen and women suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Sadly, there is still some misunderstanding around who Food Bank supports and the people occasionally say to me, isn't this just people trying to get free stuff? The people I meet are not scroungers who mismanage their money. They are just people who don't have enough money to afford the basics. 
At one drop-off, a lady gave me a tearful hug and said, this is all I have to give back. One former client, Lindsay, who had been delivered food by Jill and suffers with a range of health difficulties, said, without food bank, I would have had nothing to eat back during Easter. I think Jill and the food bank team do a fantastic job and I'm very proud of what they do for everyone. As well as providing food and other household essentials, Food Bank also supplies recipes to clients to help them make the most of the items and ingredients in their parcels. Food Bank remains urgently in need of donations and its latest shopping list can be found at www.worcester.foodbank.org.uk. Staff from Herefordshire and Worcestershire Health and Care NHS Trust took part in the Worcester City Run to raise awareness of mental health support and highlight career opportunities within the mental health teams. Staff traded their uniform for recognisable NHS blue t-shirts and included nurses, doctors, administrators, allied health professionals and more. Among them was Leonie Harris, administrator for the Trust, who went from occasional jogger to completing her first ever 10k race. Leonie said, I prepared and trained using a couched 10k app and when the race day came around it was so much fun and had a wonderfully positive atmosphere. It was great to be part of and feel part of the running community and I have already looked into signing up for another 10k race. I hope to continue this hobby as it has been so good for my health and well-being. The Worcester City Run isn't just about getting active. Free places are one of the Trust's great annual perks for staff. It boosts health and well-being, brings people together and builds camaraderie. Beyond this, a wide range of Trust staff benefits are available from free parking in trust-owned car parks to a 27-4 counselling helpline, free eye tests for people who use computers regularly and health service discounts. If you're interested in a career with the NHS, this is just the starting line. You can get ahead by exploring the many roles available on the Trust's dedicated careers website where you can also find out about the Trust Staff and Wellbeing Officer. Worcestershire residents are being encouraged to become a magistrate as part of a new recruitment drive for the key role. The Judiciary of England and the Ministry of Justice have launched the appeal and are calling for people from all walks of life in the county to be part of a new wave of volunteers giving back to their local community. No legal qualifications, degree or experience is required to be a magistrate. Volunteers will be given thorough training as well as ongoing support to help make decisions on cases in criminal or family court. Magistrates work closely in groups of three with a legal advisor who offers guidance on the law. 
Anyone aged between 18 and 70 who can commit at least 13 days a year for at least five years is encouraged to come forward. Become a magistrate and you'll learn new skills, enjoy new challenges and help create positive change for your community. The role also gives people a chance to give back to their community, build relationships with new people and develop new skills. Magistrates typically develop highly transferable skills such as critical analysis, complex problem solving, mediation, influencing and decision making, all of which stand to benefit them in their wider lives. The campaign is aiming to recruit 2,000 new magistrates across England and Wales this year. Being a magistrate is a part-time voluntary role that can fit around other working commitments. From making an impact on families' futures and children's lives as a family court magistrate to handling criminal cases as a criminal court magistrate, Candidates are being sought to fill positions across all jurisdictions. Whichever role volunteers take up, they will regularly, regularly make decisions that will shape the life of individuals for years to come. Applications are now open in Worcestershire. Anyone looking to volunteer should visit I Can Be a Magistrate. That's all one word. I can be a magistrate.co.uk for more information. A popular BBC Hereford and Worcester radio presenter is leaving his show, prompting a strong reaction from disappointed listeners. Malcolm Boyden will be leaving the mid morning show on BBC Hereford and Worcester on Friday, October the 6th. Making the announcement live on air, he said, I'm really sorry to have to tell you this. It has been decided that I will no longer be the presenter of your mid-morning show. I've said many hellos and many goodbyes, but I think this has to be the hardest one. Of course, you have heard about the changes to BBC Local Radio, and because of those changes, it has been decided that I will no longer be presenting this show. How do I feel? Awful. It has been my pride and joy. However, it has been a real pleasure and a real joy. We will be saying goodbye on Friday, October the 6th. The news comes after Andrew Easton announced earlier this month that he will be leaving the station with his last show to be broadcast on Saturday, September the 30th. Mr Boyden did say that he will still be doing bits and bobs for the station in the coming months. Following the news, Boyden's fans took to social media to let BBC Hereford and Worcester know of their disappointment. Eva McIntyre said, Well, BBC Hereford and Worcester, that's me out. To lose such a popular gifted presenter is stupidity of the most profound level. Malcolm Boyden is one of the best broadcasters on radio. He has given his all, especially through lockdown, but this is how you treat him. October the 6th is tuning out day. Ben Herdman said, BBC Hereford and Worcester, October the 6th will be my final day of listening. What on earth are you thinking removing Malcolm Boyden from the daytime show? Cost cutting to improve online presence. What a disgrace. These presenters do so much good for our, so many local people in good and bad times. Another Twitter user tagged BBC Hereford and Worcester and said, Right, so with the best two 
presenters have pushed out, Malcolm Boyden and Andrew Easton, I will not be switching this station on again. Nobody cares what the listeners want. The Beeb, as usual, do what suits them. A BBC spokesperson said that the new programming schedule will be announced soon. They said Malcolm is not leaving the station and will still be very much part of it. We will be announcing the new schedule in the coming weeks. TV star Amanda Holden was fun and relaxed and looked fantastic when she stripped off to pose for a nude portrait as a gift for her hubby, said the city artist who painted her. The 52-year-old Britain's Got Talent judge bared all for Francesca Curry, who has previously painted the Bishop of Worcester, John Inge, as part of a new Sky TV show. Behind-the-scenes photos show the TV star wearing a lacy white dressing gown after posing topless for the talented artist at a London studio. Francesca, who also appeared on Sky Portrait Artists of the Year, said Amanda was a natural and remained comfortable and calm during the process. Amanda allowed the artist to make sketches and to take photos after asking the TV crew to leave, before Francesca spent six weeks working on the portrait. The Heart Radio DJ was said to be so impressed with the end result that she gifted the picture as a present to husband Chris Hughes. However, Amanda has banned the portrait ever being made public, saying it would be more about my boobs being on show than a beautiful piece of art. Francesca, 34, of Worcester said, Amanda was really fun and delightful to work with. She was comfortable and relaxed. The key for any portrait commission is to make sure the client is at ease. She's just a great, natural model, actually. She looked fantastic. The way the light hit, I couldn't have done it better. To me, it was another painting. I had already done a few nude paintings around that time. It was just another nude that month. Amanda posed for the portrait during filming for episode two of Sex, A Bonkers History, which delves into historical sex habits. She had been recreating a 17th century painting of Charles II's lover, Nell Gwynne, an actress who is one of history's most famous mistresses. You do get unusual requests in this job, but I'm just at my most happiest when I'm painting, she said. Francesca reached a claim on Portrait Artists of the Year where she wowed judges and Sir Trevor MacDonald with a lifelike portrait of the TV star. Francesca, who is currently showing her work at two galleries, added, I think I was born to do it. I'm quite dyslexic and struggled a lot in school. Painting made sense. I'm at ease and at home when I paint. There's an idea for a present. (laughs) Crowngate Shopping Centre have been proud supporters of the Worcester Festival for many years, and this year was no exception. Sponsored events, including the Percy Colouring Competition, Family Prize Quiz Trail, and finally the Crowngate Percy Trail. 
Percy the Peacock's cheeky face was placed in the windows of 20 shops in Crowngate and all competition winners had to do was find all 20 locations to be in with a chance of winning a refurbished second-hand adult or children's bicycle, kindly donated by Bike Worcester. Working in partnership with Crowngate, Bike Worcester are situated in a former vacant unit in Friary Walk. Volunteers are refurbishing bikes and making them available to people who might otherwise struggle to afford a new bike and don't have the knowledge to fix up an old one. Recipients of bikes have included refugees, parents who want to accompany their children to school and others who just need a bike. All recipients are living in Worcester with one exception. One of the refurbished bikes was taken back to the Ukraine by a refugee family. The lucky winner, Kiera, said, It was a pleasure to have the opportunity of receiving a refurbished bike from Bike Worcester and Crowngate. Thank you both. A fun activity of finding peacocks with my son has led to an exciting gift for a cycling fanatic family member of mine. Cycling is great for many reasons, your health, the environment and just the sheer pleasure of the wind through your hair on a warm day. My personal favourite. Bike Worcester, I must say, is a fabulous idea, not just recycling bikes and making them accessible for all, but they also run projects and events all in the name of cycling together. To find out more about the work Bike Worcester are doing or to donate a bike, visit www.bikeworcester.org.uk. And to keep up to date with the latest news and events at Crowngate, visit www.crowngate-wooster.co.uk or follow on all social channels. An extract from the Mayor's Diary, Councillor Louis Stevens, now follows. It has been described as one of the hidden jewels in the city's crown, but after winning the BBC Hereford and Worcester Make a Difference Green Award last week, Worcester Community Garden is bound to become much less hidden in the future. If you've never been before, Worcester Community Garden nestles alongside Worcester Racecourse on Pitchcroft. It is an entirely volunteer-run charity which works in partnership with the NHS, MenCap, AUK and various mental health charities to provide a safe, tranquil, green space for people to work, learn and meet new friends. The recent addition of an outdoor public living room on the site, which I was delighted to open officially on August the 27th, provides a further opportunity to enjoy this lovely green space. Being on the side of Pitchcroft means the site is prone to annual flooding and the floods are getting worse year on year. Some of the ideas the volunteers have implemented to mitigate the worst impacts of the floods are inspiring. Building up soil levels to raise the height of the fruit trees in its orchard, a floating tool store and office and even floating beehives which produce delicious local honey. There's also a solar-powered hand-washing station for volunteers to use before sitting down to eat lunch together, an important part of the day, and a chance to sit and chat and put the world to rights. The community garden works alongside nature, growing its beautiful vegetables, 
fruit and flowers which you can purchase on site without chemicals and without air miles. With more than 4,500 visitors already this year, the volunteers have become adept at showing people round this amazing site and you can be sure of a warm and friendly welcome yourself if you decide to drop in. For more information, see www.worcestercommunitygarden.org.uk An academic from Japan has spent a year at the University of Worcester learning about British law. Professor Ning Han is the second member of staff from Toyin University in Yokohama to take part in an exchange programme between the two universities. She spent a year with the University of Worcester School of Law learning about the legal system in the UK. It has been a very helpful and a very precious opportunity and experience for me, she said. I wanted to come to Worcester because it has a very deep relationship with our university and I heard from my colleague that the people here were very friendly and very kind. Professor Han said she found it interesting to learn about the different legal system in the UK compared to Japan and was looking forward to sharing her new knowledge with her own students in Japan. I have a much deeper understanding now about the culture of the UK and about the way its legal system works, she said. It is very different to Japan, but I think there is a lot we can learn from each other. Professor Han said she had also enjoyed exploring the city of Worcester as well as visiting other towns and cities across Great Britain, including Liverpool, London, Edinburgh and Bath, during her year-long stay. After coming to Worcester, my biggest gain is the deeper understanding of diversity, she said. The race, culture and traditions there are different from here. I found that although Eastern and Western cultures are different, both, both cultures have unique beauty. The University of Worcester and Toyin University have enjoyed a partnership for a number of years which has allowed staff and student exchanges between the two. Professor Han said, in March this year, Toyn students came to the University of Worcester to participate in the student exchange programme. They were very pleased and satisfied with the courses and activities provided by the University of Worcester. I hope that in the future, teachers and students from the University of Worcester can visit or study at Toyn University of Yokohama. We welcome the teachers and students from Worcester any time. She added, I am thankful to the University of Worcester for giving me this kind opportunity to study and I wish the university well for the future. I hope that the friendship and international exchange between our two universities will continue and I will have the opportunity to visit again one day. Three charities are coming together to host a big sleepout for the fifth year to raise money for Mag's Day Centre, St Paul's Hostel and the Worcester Warriors Foundation. For the first time, the sleepout will occur at Worcestershire County Cricket Club on Friday, October 13th and aims to raise £25,000 to be split between the three charities to help continue their services. Mel Kirk, Chief Executive of Mag's Day Centre, said 
The MAGS team are delighted to be a part of this big sleepout again this year. Not only do we get to work with some other fantastic local charities, but we get to raise awareness on homelessness and the issues they endure while sleeping rough, but also what we as a charity do to support the individuals. The event aims to help change perceptions, change lives and raise awareness of the complex issues surrounding homelessness within the county and the services each charity relentlessly pushes forward. The event also has the support of other local organisations such as AC Events and the Rapid Relief Team who will be providing the catering on the night. Jonathan Sutton, Chief Executive of St Paul's Hostel said, The Big Worcester Sleepout is a simple way that everyone can help and also understand why people end up on the streets. We urge the public to please do your bit either by supporting someone or registering yourself to take part. Previous attendees have included local and international business leaders, the city mayor, local councillors, Worcester Warriors players, local bishops, charities clients, individuals and volunteers who want to help those in need and do more. The event operates via a ticket system at £15 per person for the first time since inception. A group of private GPs providing individualised care for patients and families across Worcestershire and neighbouring counties is partnering with a local hospice. Lindbury Doctors is sponsoring the Great Waddle of Worcester, which will see 80 penguins brighten up city streets, green spaces and shopping areas for eight weeks from July 2024. A Wild in Art event, the Art Trail is being brought to Worcester by St Richard's Hospice in its 40th year caring for patients and loved ones across the county. Dr Lucy Ansell, Medical Director for Lindbury Doctors, said... Penguins are very family-orientated creatures and here at Limbury Doctors we know there's nothing more important than your loved ones. We're here to provide holistic care for the whole family, from the comfort of your own home, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Sarah Matthews, Business Development Manager for St Richard's Hospice, said, It's wonderful to welcome Limbury Doctors to our hospice huddle as fellow care providers to families all over the county. 40 large penguins will be designed by artists from Worcestershire and beyond. 40 chicks will be lovingly painted by local schools and community groups. The Great Waddle of Worcester is supported by presenting partners Crowngate, DRPG, Worcester City Council and Worcestershire Ambassadors, Community and Education Partner, Worcester Bid and Media Partners, the Worcester News and BBC Hereford and Worcester. To find out more, visit www.waddleofworcester.co.uk. This week, Worcester News welcomes our newest columnist, Councillor Jabba Riaz, who is chair and founder of Worcester Mela. And this following article is written by Councillor Riaz. As the founder and chair of the Worcester Mela, it is a great honour to be asked to write regularly for the Worcester News in our own dedicated column. 
Worcester Mellor is a volunteer-led organisation that was started two years ago with the aim of displaying the beauty of South Asian culture and to unite the city through colour, culture and creativity. In the small amount of time we have been established, we have achieved some spectacular things, not least the production of an award-winning documentary called Worcester Voices that charts the stories of settlers from the Indian subcontinent during, sorry, arriving in Worcester. The documentary is available on YouTube by searching for Worcester Mela Voices. A COVID memorial recognising those that lost their lives in the pandemic at Worcestershire Royal, Kidderminster and Redditch hospitals, and of course the Worcester Mela itself, held at the Worcester Show. At our latest event, our Mayor Louis Stephen and our MP Robin Walker asked me what the word Mela meant. Mela is a Sanskrit word meaning gathering or to meet or a fair, the simplest analogy being that of a summer fete or village fair but in an Indian subcontinent context. The Mayor then stated that it really does seem to be an extension of your mayoral theme of love, not hate. It became apparent my message transcends that of politics and that Worcester Mellor is representatives of all communities. My aim as mayor was always to be able to unite, heal divides, build bridges and create goodwill amongst our communities. And the formation of the Worcester Mellor was another means by which I could do that, to display the beauty of my cultural heritage and the valuable contributions made by our communities within the city and county, while educating, tackling taboo subjects and challenging stereotypes through the medium of the arts. I am so proud of what the Mellor team has achieved and how the residents of Worcester and wider county have welcomed us with open arms that we are now a crucial part of the arts and cultural offer in Worcester. Our Mela team has worked tirelessly to be able to bring you high quality events and we are on the lookout for board members and volunteers, so feel free to reach out if you're interested. Our West Midlands Mayor's Bringing Communities Together event held last week at the Commandery, funded by the National Lottery Community Fund and Worcestershire Ambassadors, showed the power of what we can do. We partnered up with Worcestershire Museums and the Commandery to bring Mella to the Commandery Gardens. Despite the showers, we managed to entertain and educate around 500 visitors from all walks of life and backgrounds, which I believe is a record for the Commandery on a Heritage Day weekend. Our next project focuses on stage two of our journey called The Melting Pot, that explores the story of migrant communities from Bangladesh, Italy, India, Pakistan, Spain, entering the workforce in our industrial factories, namely Metal Box, Metal Castings, Leon Perrins, Royal Worcester, Kays, and Industrial and Tractor between 1965 and 1990. We will be holding events throughout the coming six months where we will invite you to comment and share your stories. For now, I hope this is the start of a special relationship where we, the Mela, can educate as well as learn 
and seek common ground that unites us and brings us together. The date when Poundland will officially open in the city's former Wilco has been revealed. The bargain chain said it will open its new high street store on Saturday, October the 7th, with staff busy filling shelves inside the unit. Poundland owner Pepco agreed to buy up to 71 Wilco stores following the collapse of the chain last month. And now Worcester will be among 10 UK stores that will open this weekend. Preparations are already being made for Poundland to return to Worcester after lorries were seen making deliveries this morning on Tuesday. Poundland in the Shambles closed in March 2020, while the city's second store in Broad Street remains closed as building work continues to make the structure safe. The store's layout appears to have changed, with tills being installed on the right-hand side of the unit at the front. Workers were also seen stocking shelves with various items and crates of products were down the store's aisles, ready to be put on the shelves. Poundland said the store will have an extensive grocery range, household and general merchandise. Over the last three weeks, Poundland has prioritised former Wilco colleagues for roles in their new stores. Ten Poundland stores, which were formerly Wilco, officially opened for the first time last weekend. Poundland's managing director, Austin Cook, said, Our people have made Poundland special, and last week they did an amazing job to turn ex-Wilco stores into brand new Poundlands in just six days. The size and scale of what they've achieved has been nothing short of phenomenal. But they worked hard because we meant what we said about moving quickly to create jobs for Wilco colleagues. And that's why we pull out all the stops to repeat that feat and open another 10 stores this weekend. I know from meeting our new colleagues from Wilco how delighted they were to welcome customers old and new back to their stores last weekend and that's inspiring us to keep the pace up and bring the amazing value we promised to more high streets. And while it will take a little time to get the converted Wilco's quite as we'd like it, by opening swiftly, we're protecting jobs, adding amazing value to the high street and putting more stores and products closer to our customers when they need it most. That makes our mission to open them as speedily as we can so important. Fears a serious accident could happen if people continue to drive dangerously and use a narrow city street as a racetrack have sparked calls for action. Drivers have ended up crashing their cars into railings on Lansdowne Crescent and onto the adjacent allotments on three occasions in three months. We previously reported in July that a car smashed through which prompted Worcestershire County Council's highways team to launch an investigation to see if changes were needed on the road. But now, Councillor Matthew Jenkins has highlighted that since that crash, there have been two further incidents in August and September. The councillor said the August crash had been relatively minor, but a Renault Megane crashed through the fence and ended up in the allotment in early September. Councillor Jenkins said, 
Drivers are using this road as a racetrack. They are speeding along a narrow road which is a sharp bend. The crashes have taken place at night, but I don't want to think what would have happened if this took place during the day. Children are picked up from school there and you have people on the allotment. The councillor has long argued for a reduction to 20 miles per hour on the blind corner, calling that a no-brainer. Residents' concerns are growing, with dangerous driving seemingly being a frequent occurrence on the road, the councillor said. New signage and road markings are due very soon, which may help to a limited degree. However, I doubt that any amount of improved signage will stop some drivers from speeding. I have asked highway officers to see what physical infrastructure could be installed to force vehicles to slow down. Highway, highways officers are working with the police on this. Narrowing the road before the sharp bend would force drivers to reduce their speed. This is a residential area with a well-used allotment and a forest school. I'm concerned that someone will be seriously injured if we don't find a way to slow drivers down. Worcestershire County Council was contacted for comment. In the previous statement in July, a spokesperson for the authority said, Following an incident like this, we will investigate to see if any road safety measures are required, including the appropriateness of the speed limit in the area, and discuss with the local county councillor. The candidates in an upcoming by-election following the death of a councillor have been revealed. The by-election will be held in the city's Warnden Parish South Ward for a place on Worcester City Council following the death of long-standing Conservative councillor Andy Roberts. Polls will open for voters in the Warnden Parish South Ward from 7am until 10pm on Thursday, October the 19th. There are five candidates in the race, with Katie Collier hoping to be elected for the Greens. Sunil Desera will represent Labour. Paul Hickling is standing for Reform UK. Paul Jagger will be battling it out for Lib Dems. And Janet Lippitt will be hoping to keep hold of the seat for the Conservatives. Sunil Desera is the husband of sitting Labour councillor Jill Desera who was first elected to represent the neighbouring Warnden Ward in 2022. Green campaigner Katie Collier finished fifth for the party in last year's seven-candidate Bedwardine election. Paul Hickling has stood on several occasions in various wards across the city, with his most recent being a last-placed finish in the St Peter's Ward in May. Liberal Democrat candidate Paul Jagger is the husband of current Clane City Councillor Jesse Jagger. The current political makeup of the City Council sees Labour with 13 councillors and the Greens with 10 councillors running a joint administration. The Tories are currently on eight seats, with the Liberal Democrats holding four. The last election in Warnden Parish South saw Andrew Cross elected for the Greens, defeating Tory candidate Lucy Hodgson by nearly 800 votes. This came a year after Councillor Roberts was re-elected with a near 500-vote majority in 2022. Councillor Roberts died in August, having served for 17 years as a city councillor. 
He was first elected to the Warndon Parish South Ward in 2006 and also served as Mayor of Worcester in 2009. Councillor Roberts also served as a county councillor, which means a by-election will be held on the same day in the Warndon Parish Division for a place on Worcestershire County Council. St Peter's councillor Steve Mackay replaced Councillor Roberts as Cabinet Member for Children and Families last month. And now for the first sports item, and this one is on wheelchair basketball. A University of Worcester student is representing her country against the best young wheelchair basketball players in the world. Ellen Fraser is part of the Great Britain Under-25's wheelchair basketball squad, competing at the International Wheelchair Basketball Federation Women's Under-25 Wheelchair Basketball World Championship in Thailand which started on Tuesday and runs until October the 9th. I'm so excited, said the 19-year-old, who is in the second year of a physiotherapy degree. I've grown up playing basketball with these girls. I've known them all since I started playing. I honestly just can't wait to play basketball with them and enjoy being there. It's an unforgettable experience. The team has so much potential and I can't wait to see what we can achieve. This will be Ellen's second year, second major international tournament. She went to the delayed senior 2022 World Championships in Dubai in the summer and has been involved in Great Britain camps for the past year. She was also a reserve for Team England for the 2022 Commonwealth Games. Ellen, who has cerebral palsy, a neurological condition she has had from birth, plays for two wheelchair basketball teams, the Coventry Crusaders in the National League and the Worcester Wolves women's wheelchair basketball team, which competes in the British Wheelchair Basketball Women's Premier League. This will be her third season with the Wolves side. She started playing for the Wolves while in sixth form and chose to study at the University of Worcester due to the team, sports facilities and university sports scholarship scheme, which provides a range of support for student elite athletes. I love how aggressive, fast-paced and tactical the game can be, she said. It's also one of the most inclusive sports due to the classification system, which I love. My ultimate ambition is definitely playing in a Paralympics for Great Britain, but I would also love to play professionally abroad. The European leagues in places like Spain and Germany are amazing. She is supported by the University Sports Scholarship Programme. Worcestershire cricket bowler Joe Leach now has his sights set on head coach Alan Richardson's career tally of wickets following his 450th for the county on day three of the county championship finale at Yorkshire. Having secured their promotion to Division 1 on Tuesday morning, Worcestershire switched their attentions to ending their season in style with a victory over Yorkshire at, at Headingley. And in the hosts' first innings, Leach 
reached the landmark of 450 wickets and is just two more away from hitting 50 for the season. In the context of the week, it the milestone is probably small fry and to get promoted is a culmination of a season of really hard work and is really satisfying. He said, it's the third time I've been involved in a promotion season, so the 450 is not necessarily the biggest thing to happen, but still a nice little milestone to tick off at the end of the season. I'd be lying if I said I'm not extremely proud of it, and the satisfaction comes from the hard work you have to put in to get the wickets. It is not the easiest job in professional cricket, but I wouldn't swap it for the world. But there is no talk of sitting back and admiring his achievement. Leach is already wanting to hunt down another record, and that is the 569 held by the current head coach, Richardson. How long can I go on for? Let's wait and see. But I'm loving it, and I'm certainly in no rush to hang up the boots, he added. Hopefully, there are plenty more wickets, and there is a certain head coach's tally that is on the horizon. I can't stop before that, I don't think. And we return to basketball for our last sport article. Worcester Wolves stage a brilliant second-half comeback to win their opening National Basketball League Division 2 game of the season at the University of Worcester Arena. Northants waltzed to a comfortable 42-24 half-time advantage and still held sway at 73-66 with just three minutes to go before 11 unanswered Worcester points lit up proceedings and brought a big crowd to their feet to applaud a thrilling 77-73 victory. Wolves coach Dean Blake beamed as he paid tribute to supporters for helping his side pull out the win. There were no smiles from anyone at half-time, and to be honest, my smile now is one of relief, declared Blake. The guys played well at the end, but there is no way in the world we would have won this game without our fans pushing us over the line. They were amazing today. We're so fortunate to have support like this in Worcester. A quick seven points from Emmanuel Yeboa drove Wolves into an early 10-3 lead. Tom Grayling joined the action to contribute a similarly swift couple of scores and bring matters to 14-5 by midway through the first quarter. But Titans had their own new entrant to the court, making an impact as Taiwo Hamilton served up a bag full of points and assists to propel the visitors 23-18 ahead, entering the second period. Northants now placed a lid over their own basket and grabbed numerous offensive rebounds at the other end to accumulate a healthy half-time cushion. Humberto Ferreira set the tone for a transformed Worcester team immediately after the break, flying forwards to clean up an errant shot and provide an easy put-back for Yeboa. Daniel Malloy engaged with Yeboa for a further output, and Jacob Dearman now found his shooting boots as he repeatedly connected from three-point range, slashing the Titans' advantage to just 60 to, four, 60 to 54 by the close of the third quarter. 
A Yeboa layup finally nudged the Wolves' noses in front at 74-73 in the last minute of the evening. A succession of three free throws rounded out the comeback success. Yeboa and Dearman led the scoring with 24 and 13 points respectively. That is the end of our contribution for this week. Thank you for listening. The obituaries will follow after the music. So keep safe and until next time, goodbye. Uh, And now for this week's obituaries. Pam Williams, née Stellard, formerly of Sainsbury's Warnden, passed away peacefully on the 10th of September. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 12th of October at 1pm. Flowers or donations if desired for St Richard's Hospice may be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. A collection plate will also be available at the crematorium. Vaughan William Hensher passed away on the 12th of September. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 11th of October at 12.15pm. Family flowers only please. Donations for St Richard's Hospice may be left at the service. Frank Spears passed away on September the 16th. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 6th of October at 10.45am and after at the Swan Whittington Worcester. Family flowers only, donations to dementia research, optional dress. For further inquiries, please contact Co-op Worcester. Leslie Michael George of Clains Worcester passed away peacefully on the 23rd of September Sorry, on the 21st of September. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 12th of October at 10.45am. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for Dementia UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to EJ Gunnery and Son. Francis John Wells known as John, of Worcester, passed away peacefully on September the 26th. A funeral service will take place at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, on Monday, October the 16th at 10am. Family flowers only. Donations in John's memory are invited for the Midlands Air Ambulance Charity. A collection box will, will be available at the service or may be sent to E. Hill and Son, funeral directors. Pershaw. We send our best wishes to the family and friends of the recently departed at this difficult time.